This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 301 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by FeedXL. Visit them at FeedXL.com. Enjoy today's tip. Hi, Glenn the Geek, back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and you're listening to Horse Tip Daily. Well, we are two days away from the World Equestrian Games. Don't forget, you can stop over to horseradionetwork.com to find out about all our coverage. 27 special episodes we will be doing for the World Equestrian Games, and I will be doing the 2010 radio show for 15 nights, beginning on the 26th of September, and then going for 15 nights. Our our wrap-up shows will be put up uh, live probably around 9 o'clock Eastern time every night at 2010radioshow.com or horseradionetwork.com. Well, we have today with us Linda Halk, and she's been on before. She's the owner of Tapestry Equine Services and has been passionate about eventing and thoroughbreds for as long as she has ridden. In 1983, Linda was a member of the Junior Ontario three-day event team, and in 1984, she achieved her A-level pony club. She is also a trainer of some racing thoroughbreds and has done quite well. She has trained and competed more than 100 horses, and she actually has some stakes winners in there, too, one of them called My Imperial Gem. And Linda has some great tips for us, and we're going to be back with her right after I, I speak with you about your horse and Feed XL. You know, professional riders spend lots of money to hire nutritionists to feed their horses correctly. Well, you can do it for a lot less money with FeedXL. Stop on over to FeedXL. All you have to do is sign up. It takes just a couple of minutes to put the information in about your horse or your horses, to put the information in about what you feed your horse or your horses. And they have a huge database of feeds and grains and hays and supplements already in there. They take all of that information about your horse and what you feed, and they spit out some reports that are very interesting. We did it with our horse, and we found out we were feeding too much of one thing and not enough of another. We ended up actually saving some money in the end, and we adjusted uh, his feed schedule now in a, another couple months. We did that a couple months ago. In another couple months, we'll run it through again and see where we are. But now we know that... Uh, some nutritionists that uh, the doctors and nutritionists that put this t- program together, we know that we're feeding our horse what what our horse needs, not too much, not too little, and that's what FeedXL does for you. So stop on over to FeedXL.com and see how they can help you help your horse. And speaking of helping your horse, we're back now with Linda Hauk. Well, hi Linda, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Great, Glenn. Thank you again for asking me to join you. Well, you know, we're going to talk about something today that's a a passion of mine and my wife's especially. Uh, She is known for uh, buying off-the-track thoroughbreds and retraining them for eventing, just like you do. And uh, But in her case, she really likes the crazy ones. I, I hated even dealing with them on the ground. So so we're going to talk about OTTBs, which, which means off-the-track thoroughbred. And we're going to talk about them today and retraining and, and how we can help people with that process and who should be doing it and shouldn't be doing it. No, that's a, that's a great way to start it there, Glenn. Um, I have a background with the racehorses. I have my trainer's license, and I trained the thoroughbreds for 10 years. So that gives me the behind-the-scenes uh, view on what actually uh, goes on with the horses at the track and, and really what their lifestyle is. 
first and foremost, the, the off-the-track thoroughbred is not for everyone. You have to be a pretty decent rider um, to get along with these guys. It's, it's a lesson that I've come to appreciate very late in life. Not everyone can ride a thoroughbred. Um, the warm bloods are a totally different personality type. They'll put up with a lot more typically than a sensitive thoroughbred will. So I really, really stress that if you're thinking about a thoroughbred off the track, you want to go to one of your local racetracks and see what they've got uh, coming off, you go with someone that knows the industry, someone that knows thoroughbreds, and that you're a competent enough rider to handle one of these guys. And let's... Everybody, you know, people who don't know much think that thoroughbreds that come off the track because they've run around in a circle are broke. They're not broke. They're what we would call green broke. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. They're absolutely green broke. For the most part, they've spent most of their training time going in one direction. A lot of the time they've had, and I hate to say it, but it's true, they haven't had the best riders on them in any way, shape, or form. Typically don't have an educated mouth on them. They don't understand what the leg necessarily is all about. What a, a big positive, though, with and, the you, for, you forgot the biggest one, though. And they don't get stop. Stop was not in their vocabulary. <laughs> Go was in their vocabulary. Right. Go fast is in the vocabulary. Yep. Stop, yep. They, they take forever to stop. So <laughs> They can. No, you're absolutely right, Glenn. You're absolutely right. And that's why you need to be experienced to want to work with one of these guys off the track. But, I'll, uh, you know, in my heart of hearts, you cannot beat a good thoroughbred. Well, and I Once agree you with you. Once you find a nice one off the, race, off the racetrack, there's no better horse. And if you're not at an at a intermediate or, or, more, or more advanced level, then, and I mean in just in the levels of learning riding, if you're, you're a beginner or just even beyond beginner, you want to have that horse trained by somebody who knows what they're doing. We have an example of that too. My wife, uh, we did. We owned a big boarding stable for a long time, and she did lessons. And we had somebody who was fairly new at lessons. She had taken like five lessons, thought she knew it all, and didn't even tell my wife that she was going by a horse at the track. She brought the horse home first day. She thought, "I'll just hop on and ride it." So she, no lunging, nothing. She didn't know that much. They hopped on, and she rode it, and the horse threw her off. She hit a wall, broke her neck, and was paralyzed for life. So. You know, that's why you said just what you said. Yeah, absolutely. You need to have someone that's experienced with this breed to to really want to help you with it, especially, you know, when you're buying them directly from the racetrack. It's never a good idea for the inexperienced person to to get an inexperienced horse and grow up together. How many times have we heard that? Um, That's never a good combination. You know, in the horse world... If you're an experienced rider, you can have an inexperienced horse. If you're not an experienced rider, you better have an experienced horse. You you, you don't yeah. grow up together. <laughs> One absolutely. of you gets hurt. Green. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> green and green don't work. No. Absolutely. Um, but you know, you're up, and, and a lot of these guys coming off the track are green. They're 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 absolutely green and they're young. Typically, three and four are the ages that people are looking to unload them if they don't have any kind of a, a racing career that's on the horizon for them. So you're still working with a youngster for the most part. Right. And, but they're great horses. They are terrific horses for, for many disciplines, for trail riding, for, for eventing, for, for just a whole bunch of different things. Now, when you, when you do it, how long? Let's, let's give people an idea. When you take a horse off the track, and let's say he's, you know, he's at the medium level of nuttiness uh, of a thoroughbred. There's some that are nuttier than others, and there's some that are perfectly calm. It's just like personalities and people. But So you got the medium level of nuttiness, and, and you have what they, they're green broke. How long before you would say, okay, this horse is competent to go out there and 
and carry a, a, a novice rider around? Oh, geez, Glenn, that's a tough question because they can't all come off the track at such, you know, different stages, right. you know, mental stages and, and healthy stages. And, but, you know, you're looking at minimum, you know, a year, six that's, months to a year. That's what I was going to say, yeah. You know, when, when I buy these guys off the racetrack, one of the very first things I do is pull those shoes. Don't leave a, a thoroughbred barefoot up front, but they typically have toe grabs behind and they need to get the toe grabs off up front if that's what you're wearing when you buy them. Turn them out for a little bit, but you'll see how they've all been ridden at the racetrack. I always have my guys teeth checked because and a lot of these cheaper tracks, people are barely scraping by on their own uh, existence that a lot of these horses, some of the, the basic cares, you know, that we would consider for sure horses get. And they've been ridden in one direction and typically badly for a while. They always get massage and chiropractic. And that way you've ruled out so And the only thing then you've got to worry about is, okay, they're, they're, they're mine. Well, and, 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 you know, I've always heard said, too, and I think you'd probably agree with this, that they, uh, racehorses have never really learned to be a horse. Um, and that's one of the things when they come off the track, and that's, I'm glad you said what you said about, you know, turning them out for a while, is they just learn to be a horse. They learn to settle down and just be, and I know that sounds funny, but, you know, do you know what I mean? They just learn to be a horse. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They've, they haven't been turned out typically for, for a while because once you're in, you're in training and you're a racehorse and every operation works differently, um, you know, you're there to make money and we can't have you getting hurt, you know, being silly. Everybody's different, though. You know, the way we trained our racehorses, some did better if they were turned out for part of a day and, you know, some did better swimming. You did what you had, you know, you did what kept them happy and sound, hopefully, for their racing career. But, yes, turnout is a huge thing that you want to introduce to these guys gradually now if you're getting something that's really fit off the track you're going to want to make sure he's a little quieter going out to the paddock the first day or two that might involve a little bit of tranquilizer or you know a paddock buddy beside him i'm going to have to do a tip on uh, kava kava sometime um okay. you know have you ever used kava kava no i haven't we we had uh we had a couple of horses one of them was mine of course uh i had a uh, I, I drove mostly, and I had a hackney pony that was just bounce off the walls nuts. Um, fun to drive, though, like driving a Ferrari. Um, just a riot to drive. But, you know, the farrier refused to work on him. Now, he's like 12 and a half, 13 hands, but would stand straight up for the farrier. Kava Kava, which is a natural out of the Kava Kava plant, I think it is, um, yeah. would uh, would be just enough that, that it doesn't make them loopy. It doesn't make them drowsy like, like your tranquilizers will. It makes mm-hmm. them focused. It's almost like a, a medicine for ADD. And yeah. it focuses them so they can think about one thing. And we'd give him the kava kava in the morning. He'd be fine for the ferry. He wouldn't stand straight up anymore. Um, I have to do a tip on that sometime. Talk about kava yeah, kava. Well, I'm sure that'll, that'll enlicit a lot of emails, won't it? <laughs> so you turn... I wanted to... Yeah, go ahead. When people are getting on, you know, let's say you've had a, a successful um, shopping, I call it a shopping trip to the racetrack, you've gone with someone that's knowledgeable, you're uh, an efficient and, and proficient enough rider that you'll be able to get along with this with this thoroughbred off the racetrack. You've brought him home, you've had him basically checked out, his teeth, whatever. Uh, you've been able to turn him out for a couple of days or weeks before you're going to sit on him. I highly recommend the first time you get on this guy or mare, you're inside in an indoor arena. 
You've got somebody there watching you. Remember, these guys haven't been taught how to stand next to a mounting block. They typically, the jockey and the exercise riders, they get legged up on the go. Yeah. So that'll be a new experience for them. And I've always, it's, it's just, it's, it's there in case you need it, is a running martingale. Just because, as you alluded to earlier, Glenn, stopping isn't usually one of the things that they know best. <laughs> no, it isn't. It isn't. That's a, that's a whole training session unto itself. <laughs> well, very good. Well, so that's a little bit about the off-the-track thoroughbreds. And as I said, you know, they are a favorite of my wife's and, and many, many people, and we shouldn't overlook them. There's a lot of them here in Kentucky right now that need homes. Every one of the rescue organizations is packed full of off-the-track thoroughbreds. One of the th- reasons I think that is is because the, and I don't know if this is true in Canada, you can let me know, but the racing industry down here, the trainers are making a bigger effort to get the horses adopted out to one of the agencies rather than sending them off for, you know, the auctions. Uh, is that happening in Canada, too, where the, there's more of an effort at that? There could be, Glenn. We've got the long-run organization where people can contact and, and say they want to donate uh, one of their horses or at least try and find it a better home. Um, our, our racetracks are pretty friendly. We've got two, two here in Ontario for the thoroughbreds, Fort Erie in Fort Erie, and Woodbine in Toronto, that you can get into the backside and, and go looking for, for a thoroughbred. Wow. Okay. That's good. Well, that's good. I hope that trend continues, and I hope we keep adopting more and more of them out, and less and less of them end up on the trucks, you know, on the way to the slaughterhouse. And that's, that's unfortunately where a lot of them end up if they do not, uh, if they do not get adopted out. So let's hope for that. And uh, where can people learn more about you? Well, my training website is www.tapestryequine.ca. That's a neat name, and then by the I, way. I like that. Tapestry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, Carol. How'd you get that Carol, one? Carol King, her, her Tapestry album was a huge uh, album I loved when I was growing up. Gotcha. Okay. And I also have a, a spur that I designed, and I have to give a lot of credit to the off-the-track thoroughbred for, for wanting, wanting me to make them a happier horse in training. And you can check that out at www.persuader.com. And they can learn more about the Spursuader also at TackAndHabit.com. It's another show that Helena B. and I do, talking about products. And, and that's how I met you, actually, was through the Spursuader. And you can, you can learn more about that on episode number eight. Cool product. Neat idea. And I'll be ordering one for my wife here soon. Uh, she's actually venturing into a new territory now with a quarter horse. So she wants to do a lot more trail riding, and, and her bones are getting older and more brittle. And she says, that's it. I'm going with something that's safe for trail riding now. So, so she's, actually getting, I wish her all the <laughs> she's actually getting a little <laughs> bit away from the uh, thoroughbreds that break her bones on a regular basis. So thank you very much, Linda. We appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you to Linda. It's always fun to talk about the thoroughbred. We've sure owned enough of them in our lifetime and had some uh, really fun ones along the way. I have some fond memories, too. There was one called Sally Allen that I got along with very well. She was a, a bit of a handful to ride, but, boy, she was sweet on the ground. We used to go to horse shows, and she used to hang out with me all day. It's kind of fun. I wonder where Sally Allen is now, actually. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're in the horse business and you sell horses. You do think about them often and, and where they ended up and what happened to them, and most of them you have no idea. But, uh, but uh, So that's a shout-out to Sally Allen. 
Well, we'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip and a whole lot of World Equestrian games coming up on the other shows here at the Horse Radio Network.